Today's sermon is titled, Love Crucified, a rose, hope for the whole world. The love is the price that Christ paid on the cross and his willfulness to follow the command of God to go to it. In his crucifixion, our sins were taken from us and from the entire world that they may no longer have power over us. And today we celebrate the empty tomb, the risen Lord, and the fulfillment of the promise to bring salvation to humankind. And so today we have a hope that is for the whole world. Now this morning in many homes there was hope abound as people hoped for an Easter basket. Lots of chocolate and toys. And We have a three-year-old who's just kind of coming into the understanding of it. And we told him and we were kind of trying to hype it up a little bit, but he was a little slow to get going. But once he found the basket, his eyes were wide. He was all happy and joyful and totally lost the entire sense of what the world around him was because he wanted the candy that was inside of it. The hope that comes about. But the hope of an Easter basket fades away. As the candy is eaten, as the toys become old, old uh, news and get tossed to the bottom of the bin or are broken and have to be thrown away, the hope dissipates. But for a home that celebrates Christ, the hope is everlasting and eternal. And it is found in each and every moment of each and every day because Christ is on the throne. Because Christ is living, not dead. Where on Friday we mourned an empty cross that left his disciples and followers broken, confused, and scared. Today, we who know Jesus Christ is risen celebrate the hope that comes through an empty cross and an empty grave. And this is the hope that we have that dwells inside of us. This is the hope that we celebrate on this Easter morning. So if you could, please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. And please stand with me as we read. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, that you will see him and he said, as he said to you. And so they quickly went out and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the amazing gift of the risen Christ. 
the defeat of death, the crushing of sin, and the defeat of Satan. Lord, we participate through baptism in the risen Christ that in our old and broken selves we were full of sin, but in Christ we are washed clean and risen anew. And as you rose him from the grave, you rose us from our brokenness. So Lord, today we come before you and we give thanks for the work you did on the cross. But furthermore, for the defeat of death and the resurrection, that we too may be risen in your name and be made whole through your righteous actions. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. The word hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. This is an interesting concept, one that cannot just easily be given a task or an objective understanding because hope is different for each and every one of us. In fact, today we're asked to put our hope in so many different things, are we not? Every morning we're challenged to put our hope in the day that is before us. Some people place their hope in money, some in government, others in themselves. There's a thousand and one things that we can place our hope in. But unfortunately, unless we place our hope in the right place, it's nothing but a fleeting moment. For money comes and goes, we can never be sure how much we'll have at any given time, no matter how hard we strive to save or how hard we work to earn it. We never know what the next day may bring. So money is fickle. It comes and goes as it pleases. So to place our hope in it means that we're placing our hope in fickleness. If we place it in people, I can guarantee you that even the best person will let you down every once in a while. No matter how hard they try or how much you want to give them credit for, they will eventually fail you in some way, shape, or form. They'll say something that's hurtful, or they'll go off and do something that you don't agree with. And it causes you pain, and it causes you suffering, and it causes you doubt and question. So hope placed in people is done at risk, and at a risk that we know of, because we know what the outcome will be eventually. We place it in government or other organizations. We run the risk that they're not anything different than people themselves. They can only do so much. In fact, the government is made to make the majority happy, not everybody happy. And so what we end up with is the issue of 51% of the population being happy and 49 So if we place our hope in government, 49% of us are probably going to be upset about something at some point in our time. So where we place our hope is very important. In fact, it controls how we do things in life. It shapes the decisions we make in life. If we place our hope in money, then we allow money to control us and we let it strive to carry us forward. And We drive to make money and it becomes everything that we care about. If we place our hope in people, then we look to people to bring us happiness. We look to people to make our day worth living. We make people the point of our happiness and our contentment. We place it in government or organizations, then we trust that they will do what's best for us at all times. 
if we place it in things that are constantly changing, then we run the risk of having our faith and our hope constantly shifted. And therefore, how do we stand on strong ground? How do we walk confidently through life if we know that any moment it may be yanked right out from underneath us and we can't take another step or our heart will be crushed? So the things that we place our hope in are the things that will shape how we live our life. Now Hebrews 11 gives us a little bit more of an insight. It reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what it reminds us of is that faith is generally directed directly from what we have hope in. So my question is today is what is your faith in? What do you hang your hat on when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night? Is it in money? Is it in all the relationships that you have around you? Is it in the government? Where have you placed your faith in and how has that been working for you? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen gives us the indication that maybe there's more to life than what the world presents us on a day-in and day-out basis. That it gives us a chance to understand there's a deeper meaning to life, that thing that we all feel deep in our heart, that there's something more out there for us. If you are here, it's because you've either discovered that or you've felt that deep in your heart and you're longing to understand it that much more. And I guarantee you, every person that I've ever talked to in my life as a counselor in the military, as a police officer for 15 plus years, all the different things that I've walked throughout my time, and each and every one of you can probably think of it too, the greatest question is, is why am I here? And what is it all about? And I promise you that everybody out in this world is asking those questions. Maybe even this morning. But the fact that we sit here, the fact that we understand that maybe there's more to it than what we have right in front of our faces, in front of our eyes, that the world has handed us, that maybe there's just something else out there just a little bit further, that if we just strive a little bit harder, seek a little bit deeper, we might understand something a little bit greater. We might come into that understanding. See, when we understand Hebrews 11.1, 1, we see how our faith shows just what our hope is rooted in. So if our faith is in how money comes or goes or how we spend or how we don't or how the government does right or wrong by our eyes, that's what our faith is in and every day we will find disappointment. But today we celebrate the risen Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, defeating death and taking sin into hell and leaving it behind. Today we celebrate something that gives us faith and hope beyond what the world can present. Because it's not contained by this world. It's not contained by the flesh. And it's not contained by Satan himself. In fact, it's the one thing that can defeat Satan every time. See, as followers of Christ, we are called to place our faith in only one. Not one thing, but one person. And that's Jesus Christ. If you please turn to 1 Peter Chapter 1. 
verses 3 through 5. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. If you're looking at your scripture, you have a pen, underline that begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Here Peter is telling those who follow Christ that through the power of God himself we have Jesus Christ, a resurrected king, an undying savior. A work that only God can bring about. And this is begotten onto us. It's not something that was created. It's not something that we can do. It's not something that we have any say in. It's something that is given to us as a gift. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. Jesus was untempted by Satan. In fact, he beat him out every time that Satan came around and tried to tempt him to not follow through with what God's will was. He's undefiled. He's uncorrupted. When he could have simply said, Lord, this is too much, God. I can't take this. I don't want to go to the cross. And he could have walked away and all of us would still be under the power of sin. He did not. Because he's undefiable. No matter how much pain he had to suffer, no matter how difficult the walk was that he had to walk, he went willfully forward so that God's will would come forward and be known to all of humankind. For an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. He is eternal from the beginning of time until of all creation's time. He will be there. He doesn't fade away. I ask you, how many of you could hold up a dollar bill that you could barely read at this point from your wallet? Money fades away. Sometimes just by age, sometimes by bills but it dwindles away. All of us can open our checkbook to understand that quite quickly. The government comes and goes. In fact, there's been no standing government for more than 300 years in the way that started. There's not an organization that will support everybody in the world. There's not an organization that can help every person that comes to their door. There isn't a relationship that will outlast the fleshly death. All those things fade away, but Jesus Christ is eternal, sitting on the throne in heaven, waiting to return and reclaim his kingdom. When we put our faith in that that is eternal, that is non-fading, uncorruptible, and undefiable, we can have faith and hope in something way beyond anything this world can ever offer us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It reads, That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, and having no hope and without God in the world, Paul is reminding the Corinthians about the fact that when they didn't have God, they were alienated from him. 
that they had no hope, they had no God, they had no understanding of the blessings of God. They stood outside of Israel. They were a lost people. They had no hope. For everything that they had was fading away. It was fickle, and it meant absolutely nothing in eternity. Paul writes this so that they can understand just before he's talking about the grace that comes through faith. The hope that is born and grows through Jesus Christ, who is eternal. He wants to remind them where they came from before they knew Jesus, before they had that blessing of faith. He wants them to understand just how desperate their lives were before they found Jesus Christ. And the funny thing is, the saying has really been able to confuse us and lie to us about it because sometimes we think we got it made all by ourselves. Sometimes we think we don't need God, we've got to handle this. It's not important. But what Paul's reminding the Corinthians about is the fact that even when you were thinking like that, you were walking towards death and not eternal life because you were walking in sin. You were walking in a disobedience to God and understanding and loving and caring and worshiping the Creator. You see, when we walk separate from God, we walk alone. We walk without hope in our hearts. We walk without assurance of what is to come. We walk as nothing more than dry bones and failing flesh. But in Jesus Christ, we can have so much more. In Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. In Jesus Christ, we can be greater than who we are by ourselves. If we go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated us for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as it is a manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here the author of Hebrews reminds us of just what Jesus Christ allows us to enter into. Having boldness to enter the holiest, where in the old temple when you would walk into the holy of holies behind the veil, if you weren't found righteous in the presence of God, you would be struck dead and they would pull you out with a rope. Only, in fact, certain priests would ever make entry and they would tie a rope around their waist so that if they were found not worthy, they could drag their body out of it. Here, The author is telling us, he's reminding us that in Jesus Christ's blood, in the resurrection of Christ and defeat of sin and death and our rebirth through Jesus Christ, we are now able to enter into the holy of holiest. 
We don't have to worry about being found unrighteous or unworthy for the veil has been torn. There's no longer secrecy between us and God because of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness to the cross. Because we have a new high priest who's perfect, who's undefiled, who cannot be coerced or corrupted, and who is everlasting. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith. See, when we step aside from the world and we put our faith in Christ, when we trust that he is who he has said he will be, then we can have full assurance and we can have a clean heart, a true heart that comes into the presence of God and is found worthy through Christ. Even more so, sprinkled of the evil conscience means our baptism takes that evil conscience away because it places the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we have a conscience that speaks towards good and to doing what God's will is. And that our bodies are washed with pure water, that we're made anew, that we're risen from our brokenness. See, with Jesus Christ, we have life, whereby our own and by Satan's temptations, we find ourselves dry and dying. In Christ, we find ourselves alive in a living well of water through his Holy Spirit. We are lifted beyond anything that we in the flesh can do by our own. And we can be something greater than what this world can ever do for us. We can be something more powerful than anything this world could ever turn us into. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. This means that we place our eyes directly on an empty cross, a risen Lord, a defeated grave, and an everlasting life. And we boldly proclaim this day in and day out, not just through our words, but through how we act and how we function in life. Every day, every moment of it. Today, I told you, today the greatest thing that we can offer up to God is our heart, completely and fully. Because with a true heart, we can come into the presence of the holy of the holiest. We do that by considering one another and in order to build each other up because it is a difficult race to run by ourselves. Even Jesus ran to the cross with 12 others. And while they may have all been weak and left him in the last moments, they were with him for three years. You see, we need each other. We can't be a, a lone gunman. We can't be out there by ourselves. That's why it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Because when we come together as a body, when we come together in relationship and as friends, as we all pursue Christ together, we find ourselves stronger. People may ask, what's the relevance of the church in today's world? Well, the church is God's body, and if we do not have the church, then we don't have God's body here on earth. And therefore, if he's sitting on the throne and his body's not here, where is he in the world? We must come together. We must support each other. We must rise each other up and help each other become better. To turn our eyes and focus us on Christ. And when we start losing that focus, it's beautiful to have a brother or sister come along aside and say, hey, let's get you back where you need to be looking. Look on the path that God has you on. Stop looking at what the world wants you to do. Because if it was by Christ's will that he chose not to follow God's will but chose to follow the world's will, sure, he could have made a lot of converts that day, 
by simply pulling himself off that cross. But sin would have been victorious and we wouldn't have eternal life. But when we focus our eyes on God's will, as Christ focused his eyes on God's will, great things happen because God's will comes to light. Sin is defeated because Jesus Christ was faithful. Our hope is in one. Our hope is in Jesus Christ for his faithfulness. Every day you have the opportunity to stand up and declare that boldly, that you trust in Jesus Christ, that you have hope in the everlasting life because of who Christ was, not by your actions or by others' actions, but by his alone. And the beauty is, is we've seen the answer to what his actions are. We've seen the empty cross, we've seen the empty grave, and we've seen the risen Lord. Over 500 witnesses proclaim it. Twelve men go to their death after 40 years of proclaiming it, never once changing their story. Think about it. If it was a lie, if it was simply a mindless way to get people to do what the church wanted them to do, those men would have never went through the deaths they went through. All those other martyrs would have never gone that direction either. But because they knew the truth, because they had seen it with their own eyes, they had seen the risen Lord, they were willing to face whatever God's will was and whatever world would do to them. We need to be as bold today as they were in their day. We need to boldly move towards Christ. We need to boldly proclaim his truths in this world. We need to be his body. Because our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Not in the brokenness of the world, the fickleness of money, the fading of relationships, or the ever-shifting governments that are around us. No, our eyes should be focused fully and completely on Jesus Christ. We should not surrender ourselves to the temptations of Satan, nor the brokenness of this world, but to elevate ourselves to where Christ is moving us, growing us, Challenging us for what he went to the cross for, that we may be in the presence of God. Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of God, the Garden of Eden with God in their presence until sin entered the world. Jesus Christ allows us to walk in the presence of God, not fearful of what might come from the sins that are around. Our hope is in the risen Lord. Our hope today is in a God who has defeated sin and death. Our hope is in a living God. Not simply a God that's wrote in texts text or other words throughout, but a living God who lives in each and every one of us, who beckons us and calls us forward, who gives us strength and gives us breath that we may continue to fight the good fight each and every day. For when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go for his sake, he went for our sake. He didn't go for his power, but so that we may overcome Satan's power. And he didn't do it just for us, he did it for the whole world so that all who may believe would know God's love. 
So today we celebrate. We celebrate because we are no longer trapped by sin. We are no longer captured by death. We are free of it all. We have eternal life that extends out and past what this flesh will bring us. We have eternity to be in the presence of the Holy of Holies. Not by our works or by our doing or by our words, but by Jesus Christ and his actions on the cross. For while we may become corruptible and we may be defiled occasionally, he is beyond approach. He is uncorrupted. He is undefiled and he is everlasting. He is our counselor. We celebrate because we no longer are trapped by Satan, but have the sword to hold against him. To be victorious and stand proud and tall and return to what God created us to be. We have the opportunity to walk forward from this day on proudly proclaiming and coming together in boldness. Not in fear, not in fickleness. Because our Lord is a risen Lord who beckons us towards him. So today I ask you, who do you place your hope in? Is it the one, the one who has shown himself worthy to have hope placed in him? And if so, let your faith show it. If you wonder whether or not that's where you are at this particular moment, take time to pray today. Maybe even this morning as we finish, come down here and pray. If you aren't sure where you're moving up into in the next days of your lives, take a moment to ask God to help show you the way, to touch you in a way that you know he's present. But you have to first believe that he got off the cross. Because if you believe he was just a man who died on a cross, and was buried in a tomb and never rose, and he's not living in your world. But if you believe and you have hope that he is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, off the cross and out of the grave, defeating death and Satan and moving on for eternity, then you have the hope to defeat anything that comes your way every day, every moment, and every second. So today, who do you place your hope in? Who will you stand up and boldly proclaim your hope is in? Let it be Jesus Christ, for all else is fleeting, fading, and disappearing. Amen.